following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Today we begin our summer series, A Taste in the New Testament, so I invite you to take your Bibles this morning, turn to Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4, and we will begin reading at verse 35. On that day, when let's go back to the beginning, chapter 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. Then over to verse 35, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, "'Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing?' And he awoke and rebuked the wind." And said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray together. Father, as we come to the time of your word, we do not want to take that for granted. And so we ask that you would open our hearts and minds as we listen to what you have to say to us, to teach us today. Please guard my words, direct them, and uh, for all of us that we would have listening ears and hearts. We ask you to do your work by your spirit through your word in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. The miracles of Jesus as we encounter them in the Gospels show us a number of things. Uh, First of all, they show his great compassion for people. Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion. Secondly, they show us his messiahship. That is, he fulfilled what the Old Testament had predicted and expected the Messiah would do. Thirdly, they showed that he was God. The term we use for that is deity. They showed his deity because in the miracles, Jesus did what only God can do. And then finally, the miracles in a general way show us something of Jesus' teaching 
They served as parables or illustrations of spiritual truth. So in this miracle that we looked at today, uh, Jesus is calling his disciples and us to a growing faith in the presence and the power of Christ with us in every circumstance of life. You and I can learn to trust God in the crises of life. Consider with me, first of all, the crisis of the storm that these disciples found themselves in. This was the end of a very long and a busy day of teaching. The whole chapter is about that teaching. And the crowds had pressed in on Jesus so much that that he got into one of the boats on the shore and pushed off slightly so that he was teaching from the boat and the crowds were gathered on shore so that he had a, a, a better connection with them. And at the end of this uh, long day, Jesus suggested that his disciples get into the boat with him and they cross over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And apparently the, um, the disciples waded out to the boat. That's what the language seems to indicate. They climbed into the boat and off they went without any further preparations. The Sea of Galilee is an inland lake that is 13 or 14 miles north to south and about seven and a half miles east to west. But the unique thing about the Sea of Galilee is that the surface of the lake is 680 feet below sea level. And so uh, what you have then is rising on the eastern side of the lake, what we today call the Golan Heights, and they go up for about 2,000 feet in height. And the reason these storms come up is because you get the dry uh, desert winds coming down and working their way through the ravines of these cliffs. And they meet the warmer, moister air of the Mediterranean Sea coming across. And they they hit in this bowl-shaped lake. And there are violent squalls and storms that come up. Well, apparently that's exactly what happened. They set out, uh, the storms come up very suddenly. And the disciples found themselves in this storm. Um, in 1986, they found the remains of one of these little boats. Uh, they think it comes pretty much from this, this time, this era. Uh, they've reconstructed it so you can have a look at what it probably was like. It was like about a 15-passenger van. And uh, if you think there's not much leg room when you fly these days, well, there's probably not too much leg room in these things as well. But this is how... Uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, this is how they made their living, out on these small boats. And when these storms would come up, as it did on this occasion, uh, it was dangerous because these were not big vessels. And so the text tells us that this storm arose. And it seems to be a particularly bad one because the boat began to fill up immediately And the winds were howling and the waves were crashing over the side. And remember, this is Peter and Andrew. This is James and John. They know the lake. 
They make their living on the lake. Without the weather channel, they know what's going on. They understand this world in which they live. And Peter looked at Andrew and John looked at James and they said, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. This is a life-threatening storm. And so this, the disciples found themselves in a physical crisis. For them, it was a life and death struggle with the forces of nature. Their lives were at stake. They knew that. They understood that. Many of the storms that you and I face are not physical. Some of them are, but many are not. Some are health-related. Some are emotional. Some are relational. Some are spiritual. The storms of life can be the inward battles of the soul. An old chorus says, do you have any rivers you think are uncrossable? God, any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. He does what no other friend can do. And so, before we get into the lessons of trusting God, let's ask ourselves, what storm are we in today? What is that impossible, overwhelming situation that you find yourself in today, that you can see coming uh, at you in the future. And Jesus was teaching his disciples on this occasion and us an important lesson. We can know that we have saving faith, for by grace you save through faith. No questions, no doubts about that. We can know that we are in some general way living by faith for the everyday things of life. For we walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. But Jesus wants us to know that we can trust God in every circumstance and crisis of life. Events that we have not asked for, events that we do not want, storms come crashing down upon us, bringing us face to face with the realities of our own weaknesses, our own inabilities, and making us feel small and vulnerable. And there is in that the issues of life and death, time and eternity that come together. So I want to share with you this morning four lessons of faith that Jesus was teaching his disciples through this miracle. Faith means simply trust or reliance or dependence or having confidence in. It's where we go. It's what we turn to. That's what we have faith in. And Jesus made it clear that the issue in this situation was their lack of faith. However, when he, when he said, um, why are you so afraid, the word that he used there meant cowardly. So Jesus was not teaching us that when we encounter the difficult places in life that we will not feel fear, that we will not experience anxiety. That's not what he is saying. But he is saying that those need not overwhelm us so that it determines our decisions and our responses. 
It should not make us fearful so that we are afraid to confront the reality because He is with us and He is sufficient for those things. And Jesus challenged His disciples and He is teaching us that we can learn to trust God in these times in our life. Faith In faith, there is something deeper than our emotions. It is not a feeling of faith that Jesus is asking us for. There is an attitude, a commitment, a resolve of our hearts towards God that allows us to confront the crisis because God is greater than our circumstances. And that is what was lacking in the life of his disciples on this occasion And that is what Jesus was seeking to teach his disciples. And so, four lessons of faith. First of all, there is faith in the promise of Christ. Jesus had said to these disciples, let us go over to the other side. Notice that he didn't say, hey, let's go halfway and then drown. He didn't say, hey, let's go and I'll be with you part of the way, and then good luck from there. You see, in Jesus' word of instruction, there is a promise that he will finish and complete what he tells us to do. And every promise in the word of God that is directed towards believers are a foundation for our faith, and we can put our trust in in the God of those promises. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, just an example. I am sure of this, Paul said, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. That verse promises us that there is nothing in all of life that can take our salvation from us. In fact, one day we'll be able to look back over the landscape of our lives And to see how God designed the events of our lives to make us like Christ and to grow in grace. And many times we struggle with faith in the promises of Christ because our values are so rooted in the material comforts of this life. The things of this world that are temporary and that are passing away. And we are trusting in them and we are relying upon them. And so the circumstances of life sometimes challenge us into who and what we are really trusting. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Secondly, there is faith in the presence of Christ. Uh, Verse 38 gives us a real interesting contrast. Okay, so you've got this storm crashing around you, right? And uh, the water is flooding in, and the disciples are in a panic, and Jesus is sleeping, snoozing. He's in the back of the boat with his head down, and here you have this contrast. The disciples looked at the situation and they knew it was beyond them. It was beyond their years of experience and their strength in the present moment, but they forgot that Jesus was in the boat with them. 
Sometimes we forget that he's with us as well, don't we? Jesus uh, uh, has never promised to, or he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. I better get that one correct, okay? He has promised to always be with us. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And that includes any and every circumstance that we did not choose for ourselves, that intruded upon our lives, that interrupted our expectations. And we have fear, and we are overwhelmed with that fear when we see the greatness of our problem rather than the greatness of our God. A few years ago, a young lady is a family friend. Uh, she was battling with cancer, and she said, this has been a rough week for me. I've been discouraged about many things, things that are out of my control and I can't fix. Even though I've wanted to throw in the towel this week, I am so thankful that God is faithful in spite of my discouragement. He is bigger than my cancer. And the confidence of faith for every believer is that God is greater than our circumstances. He is present with us, and he will see us through. A third lesson of faith is that there's faith in the love of Christ. The disciples, uh, in their state of mind, they turned as best they... I don't know how they did that. That boat's very small. But at least they turned back there, and they began to shake him awake, and they said... Don't you care that we are perishing? They questioned the love of Christ for them. How often do we find ourselves asking the same question? Lord, where are you? You know, I've really been asking for a long time. Uh, have you checked out? Don't you care? Don't you see what I am going through and my need at this point. Remember what Martha said to Jesus on that day that he came after Lazarus passed? He said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she questioned the, the power, the presence, and the love of Christ for her. Our faith must always be anchored in the love of Christ for us because in Christ... We have the answer to life's greatest need that then forms a foundation for all other needs in our lives. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says this, He who spared not his own son, but delivered or gave him up for us all, how shall he not with him graciously, freely give us all things? And that verse argues from the greater to the lesser. As we struggle in the lesser things of this life, we need to keep in mind that perspective that God has done for us the greatest. He did not withhold His Son. He sent His Son. And because Jesus Christ went to the cross, He took upon Himself the sin of the world so that God may offer to every man, woman, and child the free gift of eternal life to all who will receive it. And it is this need, our relationship with God, that one day will be the need for all eternity. 
And we had no answer. But God in His grace and in His love provided what we could not do for ourselves. And so the message of the good news is that Christ came, He died, He rose again, and He offers you to know Him personally through sins forgiven and newness of life. And that is the gospel. That is why we talk about making Christ known, whether it's near or whether it's far in Indonesia or around the world where our other missionaries serve. It is because until that is settled, there is a sense in which all this other stuff doesn't really matter. But when that is settled, this is taken care of through our relationship with Jesus himself. And that great chapter of assurance in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He goes on to say, let's think of some things. Well, what about uh, tribulation? Uh, What about um, dangers, Uh, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword, that's violence? And he says, here's the answer, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How do we know that he loved us? Because God so loved that he gave, that he spared not his only son, and that's how we that God has loved us. And it is that love that is the foundation of our trust and faith in the storms of life. Faith in the love of Christ does not guarantee our comfort and security in this life. Jesus didn't promise us that if we trust Him enough or trust Him in the right way, He would always do a miracle for us or that he would always make us happy and comfortable and all those kinds of things. But God's love does guarantee us this, that he will always do what is best for us. Do you believe that? He will always do, provide, and be for us and to us what is best for us for all eternity. No storm of life can wreck God's plan for you if you belong to Him. Finally, there is faith in the deity of Christ. That word simply means that Jesus is God. And we might consider that all that's happened up to this point has been prelude because Jesus wanted to impress upon His disciples the wonderful truth that He was, yes, their Lord and Master and Messiah, but that he was also God himself. Um, There were two miracles that took place on this occasion. Uh, The first was the the quieting of the wind. Jesus got up um, and he, he spoke the words, peace, be still. And the wind stopped immediately, but after a storm, Uh, The surface of a lake typically takes a while to settle down. The waves settle down. And what happened on this occasion when, when Jesus said, silence, 
be muzzled. That's the literal meaning of the word. The wind stopped, and the sea became as smooth as glass. And in that moment, these disciples sat in the dark, aware of a new presence, a new reality, born out of the awe of God, of what they had just seen and witnessed. If you had asked these men, do you believe in God? They would have said, absolutely, yes. Uh, They believed that, that God had created this world, had spoken this world into existence. They believed that God had parted the Red Sea and let their ancestors walk through on dry land. Psalm 89 says this, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Psalm 106, verses 8 and 9, He rebuked the Red Sea and became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. And they would have believed all of that. But they had not yet fully grasped that God's power and authority and presence were with them in the person of their, of, of their master, Jesus Christ. They were, they were learning. They had to see that, in fact, he was God. And I don't know about you, but it's possible that we lack that same connection in our own relationship with the Lord. When we receive Christ, we enter into a relationship with the one who is the creator and the owner of the universe. As those disciples sat in that dark stillness, they were filled with a new understanding and reality, a reverence and awe a fear of God, if you will, in the very best sense of that. Because they saw in the miracle the majesty and power of God in Jesus, their teacher and their master. And so the kind of faith that we need to trust God in the storms of our own lives is a faith that rests on the promises of Christ is the faith in the presence of Christ with us, a faith in the love of Christ for us, and a faith in the deity of Christ over us. And sometimes God brings us to the end of our own resources and our strength and our abilities so that we have an opportunity to learn that we may trust Him in the crises of life. No matter how desperate things look and appear. If Christ is in our life, we have the sovereign Lord of the universe caring for us. Now, the question is this, can we really learn to trust God like that, okay? That's that's the question. Well, I want you to go down the road a few years, and I want you to see Peter sitting in a prison In Acts chapter 12, he's scheduled for an amputation the next day. That is his head. And he is chained between two guards. And do you know what he's doing? 
He's sleeping the night before his execution. And I want you to see Jesus sleeping in a boat and Peter sleeping before his trial and execution. It was not God's plan to take him at that time, so he miraculously let Peter out on that occasion. And a few years later, he would write to a group of believers who find themselves in a storm of persecution. We call it the letter of 1 Peter in our Bibles. And he would say, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He didn't say those anxieties were not real. He did not say there were, there were not things that, that were fearful in and of themselves. But he said, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I have learned that you can take all that you are facing and you can take those anxieties and you can give them to him. You can cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. You want to know what word he used? He used the same word the disciples used when they shook Jesus awake. They came and they said, don't you care? And years later, at the end of a life of service for Jesus Christ, as far as we know, he gave his life uh, for Christ. In the end, he could write to us and he could say, Cast all your anxieties because He cares for you. The love of God, the presence of God, the truth of God is a reality that we may depend upon in the challenges of life. And so whatever storm you may find yourself in and whatever storms we experience as we walk through life, Sometimes they are smaller and sometimes they are absolutely overwhelming. We can trust God who is both able and willing to do what is best for us. Uh, today is Communion Sunday. And it's a good reminder that it was the fact that God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. That in the bread and the cup we're reminded that God met us in our greatest need, our need to be right with Him, our need to have sins forgiven so that we could know that in the challenges of this life, He is with us and we can trust Him in those things. The bread represents Jesus' body given for us on the cross. He lived a perfect life and He gave that life in our place on the cross. The cup represents his lifeblood poured out for us. It was a violent death. It was an awful death. But it was only a tiny picture of the spiritual suffering on that cross where he bore the wrath of God for our sins. And so as we come, we take the opportunity to thank God for the grace of life itself. We take the opportunity to evaluate where we are in our relationship with Him. We confess our sins. We prepare our hearts 
so that we can partake in meaning and in gratitude these emblems and these elements. If you're visiting with us today and you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to share with us as the elements come around in just a few moments. Um, For all of us, if any of us have not made a decision of faith, we ask that you refrain from the elements, but consider their meaning and make today the day that you make a decision for faith in Jesus Christ. So at this time, I'm going to invite our elders and leaders to come forward and to serve. If you will just take the elements and hold them, then we will partake of them together in just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.